Growing up, I was the oldest of four children that made six of us in the house, living at 34, 33 Magnolia Avenue, Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, I remember fondly as a child that my mom used to make cherry cheesecake tarts. We learned math by dividing the number of tarts by the number of family members, adjusting for the extra tarts that parents got to determine the number of tarts that were ours. But math alone didn't secure you your fair share of the tarts. If you left any of your tarts unguarded, there was no guarantee that a younger brother or sister might not slip in and score one of your tarts when you weren't looking. Gary, from a larger family, is shaking his head yes and amen. You had to protect your self-interest. Now this could lead to hoarding and hiding resources. I remember one day being required by my mother to clean my room yet again and being handed the broom and the dustpan to get the dust bunnies from behind the dresser that I pulled out the dresser and discovered behind it one of those cherry cheesecake tarts. It had been there for some time. There were colors on it, greens that weren't usually present in a cherry cheesecake tart. And my heart sank as I remembered that I had hidden some of my resources behind that dresser. And now, they were of no use to me at all. The church in Corinth had a problem, and it was tied to the way they celebrated the Lord's Supper. It was the problem of overindulgence mixed with poverty. In fact, it got to the place where there was the accusation of drunkenness at the table of the Lord. And apparently what Paul is saying here and referencing in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians is that when they gathered together to observe the Lord's Supper, they would bring their meals with them. And so the wealthier people would lay out the thinly sliced roast beef and the horseradish and all of the things, and the poor people were not invited to share. And so there was this conflict that occurred and people celebrated the Lord's Supper consistent with the level of their own individual wealth without understanding that this meal is a common meal. It really is a potluck supper where everybody brings what they have to the table and we all share together because that's, that's who we are as the family of God. It's, it's a community experience. And so Paul says, you know what, if, if you can't understand the nature of who the church is, just eat your dinner at home. Because when you divide up the church based on wealth or resources and an unwillingness to share with others, well, you're forgetting who you are. 
I've been to a few potluck dinners myself where some well-meaning person would walk over to me in the corner and put their arm around me and say, Pastor, I brought your favorite meal, and if you don't get to the front of the line, it will be gone before you're there, and all that will be left is pasta salad. And I've smiled and said, I appreciate the invitation, but my policy is to go last, and I'm happy to eat whatever is left over, because I get plenty of food all the time. That should be evident to everyone. There's something about forgetting who we are that's woven into all of that. And Paul is saying to these people in Corinth that something is really, really important to our identity. This is the word of the Lord as recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with the 23rd verse. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we, so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. You've heard this passage, I'm confident, many times before. Since we receive the table of the Lord regularly, We all want to make sure that we are not eating or drinking in an unworthy manner. And so I'm curious to ask the question, what does it take to eat or drink at the table of the Lord in an unworthy manner? Well, the first answer comes from the context of the passage. If you are ignoring the needs of those around you while indulging yourself, you are not acting in ways that are consistent with the working of the kingdom of God. Paul goes so far as to say that you are acting in contempt of the church of God and humiliating those who cannot afford to eat what you're eating in plain sight of everyone. That's strong language. Paul goes further. He specifically says, 
If you eat and drink without discerning the body, you eat and drink judgment on yourself. But what does it mean to discern the body? I think, I think it probably means two things. First, first, listen to the words that Paul quotes Jesus as saying. He says, Jesus said, this is my body that is for you. How is the body of Christ for us? I think first of all, the symbolism matters. I have to understand that what I am about to eat is Christ. That in this sacrament, I am receiving Christ in the spiritual sense. Spiritually present, every time I eat, I'm receiving Christ. Now there are some traditions that believe that the body and blood are actually physically present in these elements. We wouldn't go that far to say that, but we would say that every time we receive the Lord's Supper, that Christ is spiritually present in these elements. And I guess the question I would ask is, perhaps to our scientific mind, there's a difference between those two understandings, but is God less present if he's only present in spirit? I mean, we heard Jesus say, was the woman in the well, the time is coming, when we won't worship on this mountain or in that place, but, but God is spirit and the worshipers that God is seeking are those who will worship him in spirit and truth, right? And so when we, when we receive the elements of communion, we are spiritually receiving Christ into ourselves. That's what the symbolism of this meal is. And, and what does it mean to take Christ into myself? How do, you, how do you approach an event like that when you're taking Christ into yourself. It has to feel a little bit like tiptoeing into Buckingham Palace, doesn't it? I mean, you're not going to come in raucously and loud-mouthed and arrogant. And, um, it almost calls you to tiptoe into his presence without presumption, without demanding our own ways, understanding that we are only present by invitation. We are only present by invitation. No one invites themselves to the table of the Lord. We're present by invitation. But there's a, there's a second sense in what it means to discern the body. Remember the reason we're getting this teaching from Paul to begin with. The church of Corinth has forgotten who and what the body of Christ is. And that's evidenced by the way they were eating their common meal together. We must recognize that we are receiving the body of the Lord in the presence of the body of Christ. This is the symbol of God's, Jesus' actual body, and we understand that we, corporately, are the body of Christ. That we have obligations to those who are around us. 
these people who have a claim on our lives because we are joint members of God's family. You know, the invitation from Paul is to examine yourself. And introspection always, I guess, requires a certain level of navel-gazing, a little bit of self-centered thought. Uh, By definition, you have to get inside your own head and think for a second if you're going to examine yourself. And if you examine yourself, there always is some scale that you use for the examination. It's not like you just sort of close your eyes for a second and listen, but, but, but you, you're thinking about some measure against which you are basing a judgment. And I'm wondering, what list do you run inside your head every time you take communion to make sure you'll be receiving in a manner worthy of the calling you received? I mean, do you run the list of the Ten Commandments in your head asking if you've broken any of them? Uh, Do you ask yourself if you're holding any grudges against anyone, remembering that our forgiveness from the Father is contingent on our willingness to forgive others? Do you run that list in your head? Do you ask yourself if there's any broken relationships in your life that you need to do something about? And, And once you've asked those diagnostic questions in your head, examining yourselves on the way to the Lord's table, um, do you pray, Holy Spirit, search me, know my heart, see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in your way everlasting? Is, Is that part of your examination process as you head to the table? And then I imagine you wait for a little while to hear what the Spirit has to say in case he has some revelation or some character flaw he wants to reveal to you. Or, and, then, and then once that's all clear and there's, there's nothing outstanding, um, then you feel like you can eat with a good and a clear conscience. You say to yourself, I'm not eating unworthily. I've passed all my internal tests. I mean, Paul instructs us to examine ourselves. So it's a good exercise. We certainly want to avoid sinning and causing others to sin. But I guess I'd ask you a simple question this morning. Once the examination is finished, are you any more worthy to step up to the Lord's table than you were before you started the process of examination? Does the fact that you get to the place where you feel good about stepping up here based on what Paul's taught you make you worthy to come? feel worthy to take him into your hands and into your body? Our invitation to step up to this table is by grace from first to last. The only confidence we have is based on his mercy and his grace. We can cooperate with grace and we should. We can remove obstacles to grace in our lives, and we should. But you will never make yourself 
any more worthy to step up to this table, any more worthy than I am to offer this table. The fact that I can say to you, this is the body and blood of Christ, it's not because I'm worthy to say it. The invitation is always from first to last by grace alone. And every time we step up to the table, it is by the gracious invitation of God. And so this table will always be the open invitation to everyone who wants to receive the grace of God. Anyone who wants to take Jesus into themselves, who wants to remember how much Jesus loves them, who wants to be reminded that Jesus died for them and will one day return. Anyone who finds in Jesus the answers to questions they are still trying to figure out, the grace of Jesus extends to them. The amazing thing about this table is it's it's one of those tables that has so many inserts in it, it can expand into infinity. There is always room at this table. No matter how many come. In all of history, the gracious invitation of Christ is never exhausted. There's lots of room at this table and it is at this table that we remember who we are and what Jesus is trying to do through us in the world. You take Christ into yourself. You are the visible expression of Christ in the world. That's who you are. You are the visible expression of Christ in the world. Can you imagine typing that on your resume? Top line. With my brothers and sisters in Christ, I am the visible expression of Christ in the world. And when you take Jesus into yourself, he helps you to be just that, the very thing he created you to be. So today, when you step up to the table of the Lord, Remember you come by the gracious invitation of Christ himself. Leave the judgment of others behind you. Receive Christ into your hands and into your body and become what you eat. Father, help us today to receive your table in a matter worthy of you, with the humble graciousness that reminds us that we are simply invited because of your love for us. Pray this in your name, amen. Would those who are assisting in the serving of communion come at this time? It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. 
When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and sing this hymn together. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song will rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, pour out your spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts, that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this juice, we may know the presence of the living Christ and be renewed as the body of Christ for the world, redeemed by Christ's blood. May your spirit sanctify us that we might be one, united in mission and committed to loving God and neighbor with all that we are. Amen. Would you stand, come, and receive the gifts of God for the people of God? If you exit by the exterior aisle, receive the communion, eat at the front and then return by the central aisles. May you live as the visible expression of Christ in the world to the glory of God now and forever. Amen.